0: What's up everybody, JT Sports here, back at you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode we're going to be discussing how good will the New England Patriots and Miami Dolphins defense be this upcoming NFL season, along with discussing how good will the New York Jets offense be this year, and I'm going to be giving you guys every SEC team's breakout player for the upcoming 2022 college football season. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore and on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. How good will the New England Patriots defense be this upcoming NFL season? If you haven't seen it already, we already covered how good the Patriots offense will be this year in a previous segment of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. There will be a card popping up above if you guys are interested in seeing that. The Patriots' defense was really good last year. They were third in the league in points per game allowed, seventh in yards per game allowed. They also were really good getting off the field on third down. Their defense was really good at getting stops inside of the red zone, and their pass defense was one of the best in the league. However... The biggest weakness of the Patriots defense in 2021 was their inability to have success against the run. They were 24th in the league in rushing yards per game allowed, giving up 126.5. And there were a couple of occasions where Bill Belichick and his son, defensive coordinator Steve Belichick, got a lot of criticism amongst Patriots fans. And they were when the Patriots played the Buffalo Bills. Remember, they played the Bills three times. They took the first matchup, and then the Bills dominated the other two matchups, and in those games, you could see some obvious weaknesses with the Patriots defense, and many Patriots fans were saying that Bill Belichick should fire his son, Bill Belichick has lost touch with the current state of the league. I don't think none of those statements are really true. I think the key cause for why the Patriots' defense was ineffective against the Bills' offense was simply for the fact that they just didn't have the horses. You see, for years on top of years, we've been so accustomed to seeing Bill Belichick and his staff out-scheme and out-coach their opposition. But you see, when you have a coaching staff that not only is as good as being a coach coach as you are and is also really good at making adjustments you're kind of evenly matched there so in a sense Sean McDermott has kind of caught up to Bill Belichick and the staff that the Patriots have assembled because remember that for a while the Patriots were always the top dog in this division and even though they may not have always been one of the most talented teams in the league, they didn't need to because they could always out-coach you and out-scheme you. But once you have a head coach that's as good as making adjustments and has a very good coaching staff along with a better talented roster than you, then... Being able to scheme and out-coach the opposing coach kind of goes out the window there because Sean McDermott, in my opinion, is a top five coach in this league. So when you look at how good of a coach he is and how good of a staff he has assembled, plus the fact that the Bills have had a more talented roster than New England... It was only a matter of time before we just saw New England's defense be unable to slow down Buffalo's offense. And I don't really think it was the play calling. It was simply the fact that New England simply didn't have the players to slow down the Bills offense. They were slow. You had Dante Hightower still at linebacker. I mean, I love Dante Hightower. I'm pretty sure a lot of you Patriots fans love him as well. But it was time for him to go. And the Patriots defense was just old in a sense. And it was really slow. So this year for New England, if they're going to have a shot at winning the AFC East and recapturing the title, they're going to have to be able to make sure that they are better equipped to handle the Buffalo Bills offense. Because Josh Allen isn't going anywhere no time soon. And not just Josh Allen, but just being able to handle dual threat quarterbacks such as a Lamar Jackson or Colin Murray. You have to be able to have speed on the field. So I think that one addition that the Patriots made over their offseason that definitely should help their defense be better suited against some of the better, faster dual threat quarterbacks in the league you acquired Mac Wilson and he traded with the Cleveland Browns when you traded away Chase Winovich. Mac Wilson is a really good player. He had a really solid rookie season with the Cleveland Browns. And then after that, his snaps started to decrease over the years. Injuries played a factor. But despite the fact that his snaps went down, he still made the most out of his opportunities when he was on the field. He still was a really productive player. It's just that the Browns just didn't have any use for him. So he gets traded to the Patriots. And I think that this is a perfect fit for New England and Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson, I think, could end up being one of the more underrated acquisitions from this offseason he's really good in coverage he also is pretty fast so you bring some speed that is needed to that linebacker room you also have linebacker Raquan McMillan returning he tore his ACL last year I believe back in training camp you also have Jeholani Tavai but then when you look at the safeties okay you have Adrian Phillips Kyle Duggar Devin McCourty, Jabril Peppers. I think that you're going to see Jabril Peppers on the field a lot this year as a hybrid linebacker. Because, remember, when Jabril Peppers was coming out of Michigan a couple of years ago, he was a former first-round pick by the Browns before he got traded in that OBJ trade. He got sent off to the New York Giants. You see, the thing with Jabril Peppers is that he's super versatile. At Michigan, he was playing all over the field, linebacker edge safety wherever they needed him to play he played for new england they're going to find a way to get him on the field and he's going to be really effective when it comes to slowing down a josh allen because now you're going to have that speed and not only are you going to have that speed but you're going to have versatility jabril peppers and you put him inside the box The dude could be an absolute monster. He's very good in coverage against tight ends, slot receivers if you need him to be. You can also line him up on the edge and use him as another blitzer. So he definitely, I think, is gonna be really important when it comes to neutralizing the Bills' offense And I know there are other teams in the league that the Patriots are going to be playing this year other than the Buffalo Bills. But the reason why I keep using the Buffalo Bills as an example is because right now the Bills are currently the best team in the AFC East. So I have to compare the Patriots to the standard right now, which are the Buffalo Bills. And for New England, speed definitely is something that has been added to this defense in a sense. Even though there hasn't been a lot of overwhelming acquisitions to add, tons of speed, you still did add Mac Wilson, Edgebrook Peppers, and these aren't flashy acquisitions. They aren't going to be any acquisitions that many people are going to be talking about during the preseason and before the regular season, but the Patriots and Bill Belichick are always good at finding players that fit their system and fit what they need them to do. As Bill Belichick has notoriously said over the last couple of decades, do your job. Everybody has a role. And for Jabril Peppers Mac Wilson, I think they're going to be really big when it comes to being able to slow down opposing teams who have really high-powered offenses that start with having a very good dual-threat quarterback. The defensive line is really good. You have Wise, Henry Anderson, Christian Barmore, Lawrence Guy. Really phenomenal defensive line. One of the best in the league. At edge rusher, you have Matthew Judon, 12 and a half sacks last year. He's coming off his third straight Pro Bowl appearance. You also have Josh O'Shea, who had three sacks last year. So he should also be a little bit of a factor when it comes to the Patriots pass rush this year. Middle linebacker Jawan Bentley is probably coming off the best year of his career. He recently got re-signed by the Patriots to a two-year deal worth $6 million. Last season in 2021, he had 109 tackles, one sack, five tackles for loss, and two pass deflections. He's really good against the run. However, he's not all that great in pass coverage. With Dante Hightower now gone, the Patriots kind of gotten a little bit younger at linebacker. So the run defense should improve this year. It will question Barmore taking that next step in his development. This run defense definitely should improve. And overall, the speed of the defense, although it's not going to be super overwhelming it is going to be noticeable and I don't think we're going to see teams like Buffalo have the kind of games that they had against New England last year and their last two matches. I definitely think that Bill Belichick and his coaching staff are going to be better suited to match up against some of the better high power offenses versus what they went into last year because last year they just went into a game where they had no answers and Rarely do you see Bill Belichick get outcoached, but that's kind of what happened with the Buffalo Bills. And not only did they outcoach Bill Belichick and now scheme him, but they just were outright better. So for New England, how are you going to counteract that? We also got to talk about how are they going to deal with the loss of J.C. Jackson, who opted to leave in for agency and signed with the L.A. Chargers. I don't know if the Patriots really tried to re-sign them. Maybe... They attempted, but he was just asking for too much. You guys already know what the Patriots' mentality is when it comes to players. They don't overpay. And not only do they not really overpay, but they don't really pay anybody. So they're always about trying to get the big bargain. So you got Malcolm Butler, who's 32 years old. He got signed to a two-year deal worth $5 million. He didn't play last year. He somewhat retired, but then he came out of retirement and then signs back with New England, and you may be saying, JT, he's 32 years old. Don't let the age fool you. Malcolm Butler was really good during his time with the Tennessee Titans, and we already know what he did during his fourth stint with the Patriots. He was a Super Bowl legend. He was one of the key reasons why they were able to beat the Seattle Seahawks in that Super Bowl a couple of years back. So, the Patriots are always a team that's good at getting the most out of aging players who may look like they're past their prime, but the Patriots somehow have the recipe for being able to squeeze out what's left of their careers. And just look at Devin McCourty. The dude is 34 years old and is still playing at a really high level. Last season, 60 tackles, 10 pass deflections, and 3 interceptions. I don't know how the Patriots do it, I don't know, Bill Belichick just has this cryo chamber that he throws aging veterans in, and then after a couple of minutes, they come back out better, rejuvenated. I don't know what it is, but he's just really good when it comes to getting the most out of older players. And I don't know if it's just because he loves having players that have experience, high football IQ, I don't know what it is, but he just gets the most out of players who seem as if they're past their prime. You have Jalen Mills returning. I don't know what role he's gonna have in this Patriots defense. He had an up and down season last year. He could potentially move back to safety, but I doubt it because the Patriots are already pretty crowded at the safety position at the moment You did draft rookie corner Marcus Jones in the third round out of Houston. He's 5'8". He's going to be competing for the starting slot cornerback job. He's also going to return kicks, punt returns for New England as well. He was one of the best, if not the best, returner in college football. He also can play a little bit of receiver as well. So the Patriots want to get a little bit innovative, want to use him as a gadget player on offense. They can He reminds me a little bit of a Dory Jackson, but a smaller version. You can just put him up anywhere on the field, offense, defense. He can do it all, special teams. But somebody who I really love is rookie cornerback out of Arizona State, Jack Jones. He was drafted in the fourth round by New England right after they took Marcus Jones. Very, very good man-to-man press corner. This dude is really aggressive, bump and run. It doesn't... It's simple. If you're in New England and he starts, you are going to line him up on the outside and you're just gonna allow him to play pure man-to-man coverage on the opposing team's best wide receiver and let him work. He's also a very good athlete and has a pretty high football IQ. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting the starting nod this year as a rookie over Malcolm Butler. That's how high I am on Jack Jones. I think the reason why he fell to the fourth round is because maybe there were some character concerns about him or whatnot but I think that he's a perfect clog in this Patriots defense you also have Jonathan Jones Sean Wade who they acquired in the trade with the Baltimore Ravens I really would love to see Sean Wade start that slot for the Patriots this year because if you guys remember Sean Wade when he was playing for the Ohio State the year before his final season with the Buckeyes, he was one of the best cornerbacks in all of college football from the slot because he was a hybrid safety and so He could play safety. He could play in the slot. He's a really good athlete, especially when you want to use him off the edge as a blitzer. I just love Sean Wade in the slot. I think he was just born to be a very good slot corner. He also can play outside corner, but he isn't really as good outside compared to how good he is in the slot then we can't forget about adrian phillips who had one of the best seasons of his career 92 tackles four interceptions nine pass deflections kyle durga as well 92 tackles four interceptions and five pds you could have made the argument and say that both of those safeties deserve to be in the pro bowl and this was a really good secondary that was also really good at forcing takeaways So for the Patriots defense this year, I think that this is still going to be a defense that is going to Rank amongst the top 10 in the league this year. However, I think the run defense definitely should improve with Christian Balmore taking that next step in his development. Christian Balmore has the potential to become one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game. When I watch Christian Balmore play, he reminds me a lot of Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans. I think he has that kind of potential. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Balmore put up a Pro Bowl caliber season in this Patriots defense, I think he's going to be a really big piece in determining how good this defense will be this year. Then you're going to have Mac Wilson. I think he's going to have a pretty big impact. And Jabril Peppers, I'm really intrigued in seeing how they're going to move him around on this defense. But you guys let me know how you guys are feeling about the New England Patriots defense going into the 2022 NFL season. How good will the New York Jets offense be this upcoming NFL season in 2022? Mike LaFleur is going into year two as the OC for the Jets. And last year, this was an offense that ranked amongst the bottom of the league in almost every statistical category. And it was expected because it had a young rookie quarterback. You also dealt with a lot of injuries on the offensive line at wide receiver as well. The Jets did a really good job of improving this offense and giving Zach Wilson a really good supporting cast. I already made a video or segment talking about how great of a job that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have done this offseason of building this team up. Make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. And this offense definitely should take some major leaps and bounds this year, regardless of how Zach Wilson performs. Because even if Zach Wilson performs horribly, this is still an offense that should at least be able to make some slight improvement. Because the run game was 25th in the league last year. They were averaging less than 100 yards per game. Their average was 98.1%. You bring in Brees Hall and you pair him up with Michael Carter, you potentially could have one of the best running back tandems in the league. You also have Telvin Coleman, Ty Johnson, LaMichael Pirine. So you also have really good depth in case one of those guys ends up going down. Brees Hall was one of the best running backs coming out of the past year's NFL draft. And then you pair him up with Michael Carter. I think that this could be a two-headed attack where we could see two 1,000-yard rushers. And then the offensive line improved. You have George Fent, who's expected to get the start at left tackle. He took over for Makai Beckton, who pretty mi- who pretty much missed all of 2021. You brought in left guard Lincoln Tomlinson, who has already had some familiarity with this system because he was with Michael LaFleur during his time when he was on the 49ers staff. You're going to have right guard Elijah Vera Tucker, who had a pretty good year last year. Makai Beckton is coming back. He's expected to get the start at right tackle. Connor McGovern at center. This is the offensive line that looks on paper to be really good. With the offensive line improving, the run game should improve as well. So the run game, definitely, I think, is going to be the biggest focal point of this offense, everybody keeps talking about Zach Wilson. I understand that the quarterback position is the most important position in all of football. It's the only position where you have one player who touches the ball on almost every single play other than the center. However, people forget that Mike LaFleur is somebody who loves to run the football. And we already know what Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers love to do. They love to run the football. So for the New York Jets, I don't think that this is just going to be this pass-heavy team. I don't think it's going to be a year where Zach Wilson's going to have to carry the team on his shoulders. This is still a team that's going to be predicated on running the football. They're going to use the run game to set up the passing game, and then they're going to try to take shots downfield via play action. And I think for Zach Wilson, his rookie season was underwhelming, to say the least. However... During the final stretch of the 2021 regular season, Zach Wilson's play did improve slightly. So I'm interested in seeing how he performs this year. I believe that he's going to end up having a pretty good year, but I don't think he's going to have to do as much as what people think. Simply for the fact that this is still going to be a team that's predicated of how successful they can run the football. This is a team that's going to be physical. This is a team that also improved the wide receiver position. Zach Wilson didn't have much to work with when Corey Davis went down. Corey Davis was the team's best receiver at times. And the theme with Corey Davis has always been that he's always been a really good wide receiver. It's just that he is a really great wide receiver too. When you need him to be your wide receiver one, kind of hit and miss. And he only played in nine games last year, so he missed a pretty big chunk of the season. But when he did play, he caught 34 passes for 492 receiving yards and had four touchdowns. You also have Elijah Moore, who as a rookie missed a couple of games as well. But when he's on the field, he was pretty productive. Five touchdown grabs for 538 receiving yards and 43 receptions everybody's expecting him to have a breakout season you also have rookie wide receiver out of Ohio State Garrett Wilson who probably is going to end up being the true number one he's really explosive dynamic when he gets the ball in his hands he is a big play ready to happen you also brought in tight tight end CJ Uzama I like Uzama a lot I feel that he could end up being a breakout player for the new york jets because the reason why not too many people notice how good uzama was when he was playing with the cincinnati Bengals is because there were so many other good receivers in the passing game that were taking targets away from him, such as Tyler Boyd, t higgins and jamar chase so if cj uzama can end up getting more volume in this jets offense I think he could end up being a Pro Bowl caliber tight end. You also have Tyler Coughlin there. This is a New York Jets offense that should be able to take some steps in the right direction offensively. I still do think that there are going to be growing pains, though, with this offense. I don't think this offense is going to end up being a top 10 offense, even at their best. I think that this is an offense that at their best or their highest moments they could be a top 15 unit however I think that this is an offense that is going to have their struggles because you got to remember that there is there's still a lot of youth in this lineup you're going to have a rookie and Garrett Wilson who's going to be starting Elijah Moore going into year two then you're going to be starting a rookie running back in Brees Hall I just think that this is a offense that's is going to improve, but there definitely are going to be a lot of games or a couple of games where you're going to say, Dang, man, what's going on with the offense? Just growing pains of having a young unit. But I think overall that this offense definitely is going to take some steps in the right direction. And if Zach Wilson ends up ascending and just ends up balling out this year, without a doubt, this offense definitely could end up cracking the top 10. But for me, I expect this offense to be around 17th to 20th this year. That's not really an insult it's just that there's still a lot of pieces that we need to see grow and develop we also have to see how healthy can everybody stay so there are a lot of things that you have to take into account when judging and evaluating the New York Jets offense still doesn't take away that I think that this offense definitely is going to take some steps in the right direction but it definitely is pretty young you are going to have some growing pains here and there and on top of that I think for Michael LaFleur, he's still going to be growing as a play caller with the New York Jets because last year he definitely could have done a couple of things better when it came to making things a little bit easier for zach wilson and his transition from the college game to the nfl game so i'm interested in seeing how he improves how he adapts going from year one to year two and 2022 so let me know how you guys are feeling about the new york jets offense in 2022 I think they definitely have a lot of talented pieces. Brees Hall definitely could end up being in the running for offensive rookie of the year. You're going to have Michael Carter there. These are two running backs that most definitely could end up going for a thousand a pop. Especially Michael Carter. The dude is a monster. Makai Beckton, when he's healthy, is one of the best offensive tackles in the game so this is a unit that definitely has improved. It has the talent. We just have to see them be able to put those pieces together. And like I mentioned, this is an offense that, yes, is young. So there are going to be some growing pains. There are going to be some games where we see Garrett Wilson pop. And there's going to be some games where we're going to be trying to figure out what happened to Garrett Wilson? There's going to be some struggles here and there. There's going to be a lot of ups and there's going to be a lot of downs this year for this Jets offense. But overall, this is an offense that should be able to take a step in the right direction in 2022 this season. How good will the Miami Dolphins defense be this upcoming NFL season in 2022? This was a defense that last year, they started out pretty slow, but... During the middle part and the latter half of this of last year, they really turned it on. Man, this was one of the best defenses in the league in the second half of last year's NFL season. And with bringing in new head coach Mike McDaniel, he decided to retain DC Josh Boyer. And this was really intriguing, and this spurred up a lot of conversation amongst Dolphins fans because Boyer. According to many people, he was the play caller of the defense when they were suffering that losing streak, and the defense wasn't playing all that well. And then, when the Dolphins started winning and the defense started to perform better, somebody else was calling the plays on defense. So, for Boyer, I don't really know how to feel about him, because... According to some reports out there, such as Omar Kelly, part of South Florida's Sun Sentinel, he said that some Dolphins defenders were not happy that he was brought back as the D.C., and the reason for that was because apparently Flores or somebody else had a hand in the defense, and that's why the defense ended up having their big turnaround during the middle portion of the year, and Boyer's concepts, philosophy, and schemes were not all that effective. And this is a defense that has a lot of talent. If you're just looking at this defense on paper, this is a top 10 defense talent-wise. No no, it's, doubts, or debates about it. They are stacked. You're going to be looking at a defensive line that potentially could be a top six top seven unit this year emmanuel Ogball recently got re-signed by miami over this past year's offseason he re-signed on a four-year deal worth 65.4 million dollars he was coming off back-to-back nine sack performances you have raekwon davis Christian Wilkins, who went off last year. Christian Wilkins should have been a Pro Bowler. He should have been a Pro Bowler. Shame on you, Dolphins fans. Shame on you for not getting Christian Wilkins to the Pro Bowl. How many interior defensive linemen in this day and age of the NFL do you see with 89 tackles? 89 tackles. 89. Christian Wilkins was a monster. You would have thought that Christian Wilkins played linebacker with the kind of numbers that he put up last season. Four and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, four pass deflections. Come on, Dolphins fans. You got to do better. You you have to do better. You got Xavier Howard into the Pro Bowl. Christian Wilkins should have been there right along with him. Christian Wilkins was on demon time last year. And I'm really intrigued in seeing is. If Josh Boyer and his scheme is going to kind of limit the effectiveness of Christian Wilkins. Because Christian Wilkins was really good last season. And with him taking back over the reins of D.C., I'm hoping that Christian Wilkins doesn't take a step back. Because it doesn't matter how good of a player you are. If you're not a good scheme fit, you're not a good scheme fit. You're not going to have that much success. But I'm hoping that Christian Wilkins continues to put up the kind of numbers this year that he put up last year because the dude should have made it to a Pro Bowl. It's just no excuse for it. Then you have edge rusher Jalen Phillips had a really good rookie campaign last season, eight and a half sacks. He definitely should end up having double digit sacks this year. That's my expectations. I expect him to go from eight and a half. To ten plus, and he usually could be a pro bowler as well. You also have Van Ginkle there, seventy-one tackles, four sacks, nine TFL, seven pass deflections. He's in the running for a new contract. You also brought in Melvin Ingram there, interested in seeing what his role is going to be at linebacker. You have Jerome Baker, ninety-two tackles, five and a half sacks, nine TFLs, four pass deflections, and he had an interception. The dude can do it all. He's really good. If you want to blitz him. He's also very good and covered, especially against running backs that are coming out wide out of the backfield. He's a really good linebacker, probably one of the more underrated linebackers in the league. Then a linebacker that I really like a lot is rookie Channing Tittle out of Georgia. He was drafted in the third round of this past year's NFL draft. He is somebody who has a lot of upside and he was kind of overlooked when he was at Georgia because they had so many great players you had Jordan Davis you had you just had all kinds of studs man I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of uh, how many good names they have because it was just so many Trayvon Walker just so many studs so it was easy for him to go unnoticed but Many people, including myself, feel that he could be one of the biggest steals from this past year's 2022 NFL Draft. You have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, one of the best cornerback tandems in the NFL. Xavier Howard is the guy who always gets all the praise and notoriety, 16 pass reflections, 5 interceptions. He's coming off another Pro Bowl caliber year. And where do you guys rank Xavier Howard amongst the best cornerbacks in the league? Would you consider him to be a top five corner? Because I think he definitely can make that argument for being in that discussion. Or do you think he's a top 10 corner? Then, Byron Jones doesn't really get talked about that much because he doesn't come away with a lot of turnovers. But when you target him, you don't have that much success against him. So the cornerback position... Really good at safety. I love Javon Holland. He had a phenomenal rookie year: sixty-nine tackles, two interceptions, ten pass deflections, and two and a half sacks. Love Javon Holland coming out of Oregon. I was a big fan when the Dolphins drafted him last year. The dude had a really good offseason, and that carried over into his rookie year. So this is a really talented defense. So for Josh Boyer. There's no excuses for why this defense should not play at a top 10 level. This was an aggressive defense that threw a lot of exotic blitzes, a lot of crazy looks at opposing offenses. This year, I'm wondering if that's going to change because we know that Brian Flores, regardless of who was calling the plays, had a big hand on this defense. So for Josh Boyer, there's a lot of pressure on him. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think this defense is going to live up to the talent. I think that at the end of next year or the end of this upcoming season, McDaniel is probably going to have to part ways with Josh Boyer. And I'm not somebody who loves to call out people for their jobs or anything to that magnitude, but... I'm really not on board with this hiring or the decision to retain them. And that's kind of the big knock that I have on McDaniel. Kind of wish that maybe he would have continued the search and brought in somebody else because maybe he had a discussion with the ownership and he was suggested Josh Boyer. Maybe somebody put in a word for him. But from what I've read and from what I've seen from Dolphins fans, Many people are conflicted with this move. Many people don't know if it's a good decision or a bad decision. And oftentimes, it's just it's just something that you don't want to see. You want to bring in somebody that has the approval of the players. And it doesn't really too much matter of the fan perspective. It really just matters if the players are on board And it doesn't seem as if the players are fully on board, according to reports. Not all the players are against it. Not saying the whole locker room hates the man or anything to that magnitude. But I just feel as if this kind of could have been a better hiring. There definitely were many good DCs who you could have gotten. Or many other people who you could have promoted. So... I don't really know about Josh Boyer. I think he could potentially end up holding back this defense. So I think this defense could take a step back, even though they do have a lot of talent. It doesn't matter how good of... A roster you have or how talented of a team you have if you don't have the coach who can coach your players up and put them in the right place to succeed and on the defense side of the football even though this is a top 10 defense when it comes to a talent perspective i'm just not really on board with josh boyer as the dc so you dolphins fans let me know how you guys feel about josh boyer I think he's going to end up being the key cause to what can make or break this defense. And if I'm wrong, this is a defense that should be top 10, maybe top five. But if I'm right, like I think I will be, I kind of think that this defense could disappoint many Dolphins fans. So let me know how good you guys think the Miami Dolphins defense will be this upcoming NFL season in 2022 down in the comment section down below. All right, so I'm trying out something new. If this does well and you guys enjoy this, I'll do another one for another conference. But I wanted to give you guys every SEC team's breakout player for the 2021 college football season. I would be choosing one player who I think will break out for every single team in this conference. And this was really tough to do because, I mean, there's so many players that always are transferring in coming in you have new recruits and whatnot so there's so many players to choose from for every team but i just pick one if there are some players who you guys feel could break out let me know down in the comment section down below if you guys are watching this on youtube remember that This is the JT Sports Podcast. Every segment or video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform, wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. So make sure that you guys go ahead and check out the JT Sports Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can check it out down in the description down below and in the pinned comment. So let's start off with Georgia. I have wide receiver slash tight end of Gilbert. He transferred to the University of Georgia last year. He formerly was part of LSU's football program. And then he ended up entering the transfer portal. And then it was kind of weird because he initially transferred to Florida. Then I guess he wasn't eligible to play. So then he transferred to Georgia and then he didn't play last year due to personal reasons. But this is a dude. And when I say a dude, this is a dude. He's 6'5", 248 pounds. He is the highest ranked tight end in 24-7 sports composite history. He was the fifth ranked player nationally coming out of the 2020 recruiting class. He was a five-star recruit. And in the long season that he played with the LSU Tigers in 2020, he caught 34 or 35 passes for 368 receiving yards and two touchdowns and averaged 10.5 yards per reception. During the spring game, I saw him catch a touchdown. He's playing a wide receiver. They just had to find a way to get him on the field because they already have a pretty phenomenal tight end. So when you look at a Reed Gilbert, you definitely see a Kyle Pitts clone the dude is a freak athlete. If he was to run the 40 yard dash right now, I'm pretty sure he would at least run a 4-4. I would be really surprised if he ran anything slower than a 4-5. This is a freak athlete. This is one of the freakiest athletes and not just the SEC, but in all of college football. And he is about to light up the whole entire SEC this year. This dude is going to go off. He is a monster. For Kentucky I have cornerback Carrington Valentine. He's six foot two hundred pounds. He is a junior. He started in twelve games for the Wildcats last season. He had 61 tackles and five pass deflections. He currently is the most experienced cornerback on Kentucky's roster at the moment. He played the second most snaps on the Wildcats defense in 2021, over 900 snaps. He should be Kentucky's best corner this year, and he has potential to become one of the best cornerbacks in this conference. But Tennessee, I have Brew McCoy. Former five-star recruit, he was the ninth-ranked player coming out of the 2019 recruiting cycle. He didn't play last season due to some off-the-field issues, but during his 2020 campaign for the Trojans, he caught 21 receptions for 236 receiving yards, two touchdowns. He's 6'3", 220 pounds, I believe. He's built similar to a running back. He's really hard to bring down in the open field. The dude is really, really physically gifted. And I think that he's going to be a very great fit in Josh Heupel's offense. And him and Cedric Tillman could end up being one of the best wide receiver duos In the SEC, if he ends up playing up to expectations, a big reason why he transferred to Tennessee was because he liked Josh Heupel's offense. He felt he would be a good fit. He also loved the Tennessee fan base. He transferred in. And he felt right at home. And during his visit, he came in and just felt that Tennessee was the right place for him to play ball at. With Hendon Hooker throwing him passes this year, there's no reason why he shouldn't end up being able to break out for the Vols this upcoming college football season. For Missouri, we have wide receiver Luther Burden the third. I think he's probably the only true freshman that I have on this list. He's 5'11", 210 pounds. Hailing from St. Louis, he was a five-star recruit and the number one wide receiver from this past year's recruiting cycle from the 2022 class. He has phenomenal ball skills. He plays way bigger than his height. He routinely is able to win 50-50 balls down the field. On top of that, he is phenomenal after the catch. He has great speed, quickness, elusiveness, and not only can he make you miss but he can also run through you as well. This is truly an all-around gifted wide receiver. And he's a rare breed because oftentimes you are rarely going to find in this day and age somebody who's 5'11 but plays as if they're 6'4. Not only that, but he can create in an open field. If you go back and you watch Missouri's spring game, they were just force-feeding him the ball at times. There were times where the quarterback would just would throw it up to him anyway, despite the fact that he wasn't open. Missouri's going to find a way to get this kid the ball, And the fact that he's going to be starting as a true freshman says just how talented he is. Because Missouri has a pretty good group of wide receivers. This is one of the deepest wide receiving cores in all of college football. So the fact that he's starting right away tells you just how good he's going to be. And don't be surprised if you end up seeing him end up being a freshman All-American, not just for this conference, but in college football. I think that he's going to be special, and I expect him to be a future first-round pick in the next couple of years. The dude is an absolute monster. He was lining up in the backfield, catching passes. Missouri also had him playing on the outside and in the slot as well. He actually caught a touchdown when he was coming out of the slot. So he can move around the offense, and not only that, but he he can just do so many things And I think that he is going to have one of the best true freshman seasons that we've seen out of a wide receiver in a very long time. For South Carolina, running back Marshawn Lloyd is my breakout player for the Gamecocks. He's 5'9", 212 pounds. Last season, he had 64 carries for 228 rushing yards. He had a touchdown and was averaging 3.6 yards per attempt. He was still working off the rust. According to Shane Beamer, he wasn't 100% because he was coming back from an ACL injury that he had suffered the year prior. And with running backs Kevin Harris and Zikondre Wright leaving for the NFL, I think Lloyd should be able to take over as the lead back this year. Even though he is going to have weight force transfer Christian Bill Smith eating at some of his carries, I still think that he should end up being the best running back on this offense. Beamer has raved about him during spring and then on top of that during the spring game he said that it's his time pretty much it's his time to take over he's a powerful runner but don't let don't let that fool you even though he's kind of viewed as a power back he's really shifty has really quick feet and every time he's going down he fights for extra yardage he's able to pick up yards in the phone booth as they say so I'm really excited about what he can do coming out of high school. He was the fifth ranked running back in the nation according to 247 Sports. So this dude is a freak. Not only that, but if South Carolina is going to end up having a 8 win or more season this year, they're going to have to get more production out of the run game because the run game last year definitely could have been a little bit better. And the offensive line also was a little bit of a factor, but the offensive line has definitely improved. It's way better this year compared to what it was going into the 2021 college football season. And with having a better offensive line, I think that you could see Marshawn Lloyd become one of the best running backs in the SEC during the 2022 college football season. For Florida, you guys already know who we have. Quarterback Anthony Richardson, 6'4", 237 pounds. He is going to be a huge part in determining how successful Florida's new head coach, Billy Napier, is going to be in his first year as the head man of the Gators. He appeared in eight games as a redshirt freshman last year. He was part of SEC's all-freshman team. He has already been projected. To get picked in the top 10 of next year's NFL draft, Todd McShay had him going to the Carolina Panthers 6th overall his way to early 2023 mock draft. PFF also ranks him as a top 5 quarterback prospect going into the upcoming college football season. Even though we haven't seen a lot of Anthony Richardson, we only have a small sample size to go off. When you seen him play last year, the dude was magical. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. As a matter of fact, let me not say that. Let me not say that. I'm just going to say that every time he's on the field, something magical happens. The dude just knows how to make plays. Last year, he completed 59.4% of his passes, threw for 529 passing yards, had six touchdowns to five interceptions. He also ran for 401 rushing yards and had three rushing touchdowns And on top of that, he's going to be throwing to a pretty good group of wide receivers. You have Xavier Henderson and Justin Shorter. You also have an offensive line that should be pretty decent this year. Many people, I think, are kind of overlooking Florida this year. Yeah, they do have Anthony Richardson, but this offense is a little bit more talented than what some people are giving them credit for. There are many people out there who think that the Gators just don't have no talent at all. That's not true. They, They have some ballers on this team. And I think that with Henderson and Shorter, they're going to end up being elevated by Anthony Richardson. And I think that Anthony Richardson is going to ball out. And he's definitely going to be the main focal point of this team's success. And if he ends up having a very good year, expect Florida to be an 8-9 win team maybe. For Vanderbilt, we have cornerback Jalen Mahoney. He is a senior D.B., Last year for the Commodores, he had 52 tackles, third on the team. He also had two interceptions, three pass reflections, two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and had four and a half tackles for loss. He started all 12 games for Vanderbilt last season. He plays with good anticipation, does a nice job of fighting to get off blocks, and he's a really good tackler, which is something that you can't really say in this day and age of football because most cornerbacks or DBs that you see They pick and choose when they want to get involved and try to tackle. But for Mahoney, he is pretty consistent. And I definitely expect him to be drafted in next year's NFL draft. And I think he's already one of the best cornerbacks in the SEC. I would consider him to be a top 50 cornerback in college football heading into this season. And he's really underrated. Not too many people know about him because it's Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is one of the worst power five programs in america so of course i doubt many of you guys watching this are really pay attention to vanderbilt football but Jalen Mahoney, he definitely should catch your eye whenever your favorite SEC team, such as Georgia, Alabama, maybe plays Vanderbilt. You're probably going to see his name called a lot, making plays. I think he's going to end up being a household name by the end of this year. If you are a diehard football fan and you just love covering the NFL draft and whatnot, Jalen Mahoney is definitely going to be somebody who you're going to end up getting accustomed to hearing his name. For Alabama, this was really tough, man. But I had to take my guy Kool-Aid McKinstry. I could have put Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, or Jameer Gibbs on this list. Even though I don't think Jameer Gibbs would qualify for a list like this. Because he was arguably the best player in the ACC last year. But, I mean, not too many people know how good he is because he played at Georgia Tech. I don't think too many people are paying attention to Georgia Tech football nationally but I went with my guy Kool-Aid because come on man I couldn't you really think I was going to miss a chance to say the name Kool-Aid McKinstry come on man this is my favorite player in the SEC already his name is Kool-Aid, and his legal name is Jaquincy McKinstry, but in an interview in 2019 that he did with AL.com, he said that it's a pet name that his grandmother gave him at birth because he came out smiling, and ever since then, he's been telling people to call him Kool-Aid. He also has an NIL deal with guess who? Kool-Aid. Imagine that. Your, your name's Kool-Aid, and you have an NIL deal with Kool-Aid it's so crazy and last year despite the fact that he didn't start he did get a good amount of playing time as a true freshman he had 26 tackles one sack one interception and a pass deflection he was selected to the freshman all sec team last year he was a five-star recruit the number one cornerback coming out of the 2021 recruiting class according to 247 sports I think that him and Elias Ricks are going to end up being the best cornerback duo in all of college football this year. If you don't know who Kool-Aid McKinstry is, I promise you he's probably going to be a household name by week six or week five of the college football season because this is a name that you're not going to forget. And I'm really upset. And let me tell you why I'm upset real quick before we move on to the next one. Let me vent. We just got robbed of potentially one of the greatest rivalries in sports. We could have had Kool-Aid McKinstry versus DeColdis Crawford. LSU had a wide receiver named DeColdis, right? And he was committed to LSU. But I guess when they decided to part ways with Ed Orgeron, he ended up flipping to Nebraska. And it really made me upset because we could have had Kool-Aid versus DeColdis. Think about that. Think about how many memes could have been made out of that, man. The coldest versus Kool-Aid? Now, we still have a chance of it happening if Nebraska is able to make it to a New Year's Six ball game and LSU or Alabama loses a couple of ball games this year or somehow if there's a god. Nebraska ends up making it to the college football playoffs this year and playing Alabama. That would be crazy, but I just have to see it. I have to see Kool-Aid McKinstry line up against the coldest Crawford. I need to see it. I have to see it. I'm I'm really upset that we got robbed out of that matchup. Shame on you, Brian Kelly. Shame on you. You should have made sure that you got the coldest to LSU. You should have. I'm really upset about that, but on to, on to the next player. I, I just had to vent in that. For Ole Miss, running back Zach Evans. He's a transfer from TCU. He was a five-star coming out of the 2020 class. Hailing from the Houston area, he decided to stay close to home and commit to TCU. He had a really crazy recruiting process. It was really crazy, really entertaining. He was the 16th-ranked player nationally and the second-best running back from that class, according to 24-7. And last year for TCU, he had 92 carries, 648 rushing yards, 5 touchdowns, averaged 7 yards per attempt. Not only last year, but his true freshman season as well. He was averaging 7.7 yards per carry. He also had 10 receptions, 130 receiving yards, and 1 touchdown. And when you look at how his career went with the Horn Frogs, he was held back by injuries, but... He probably could have been utilized a little bit more in the passing game and with him going to Lane Kiffin he's definitely going to find a way to maximize all of this phenomenal running back's abilities. He has good speed, balance, acceleration. He changes directions flawlessly while still being able to maintain his top speed. He also has very good hands as well and with Lane Kiffin Being his head coach, he's definitely going to figure out a way to get him heavily involved in the passing game. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Adam Kamara, and there are a good amount of Ole Miss fans who have also given him that comparison, and I understand why. Because when you look at the similarities between him and Kamara, they both have that ability to kind of be able to change directions while still being able to maintain top-end speed. They also have pretty good balance, but a big knock that some people had on him was that for some reason that he kept running out of bounds and whatnot. I don't think he's scared of contact or anything like that. That's that's a dumb narrative. It's just that he was he was near the sidelines. You get what I'm saying? I mean, what do you want to do? The dude to do? do? ran back in and lose some yards? Kind of made no sense. But I'm really excited about Zach Evans. There are a good amount of people who are excited about Zach Evans. Him and Jameer Gibbs, man, are probably going to be the two highlight backs from the SEC this year that everybody's going to be looking at their highlights, and they're just going to be going, wow. And then another thing with Zach Evans is hopefully he can stay healthy because injuries also, as I mentioned earlier, have been something that kind of held him back at TCU. So if he can stay fully healthy, I think that he's going to end up being a phenomenal pickup for Ole Miss alongside of transfer quarterback Jackson Dart from USC. I'm really excited to see what Zach Evans can do. He definitely has potential to be one of the best running backs in college football. For Arkansas, we have Alabama transfer Drew Sanders, who comes in on this list. He's 6'5", 244 pounds. In 2021, with the Crimson Tide, he had 24 tackles, one sack, two and a half tackles for loss, and two pass deflections. He started in three games for Alabama in replace of injured linebacker Christopher Allen, but he later would suffer an injury himself. And he missed a couple of games, and by the time he took back, he came back. Dallas Turner had already kind of took over that role. You guys already know what it is at Alabama. Every time somebody ends up having to step out for injuries, there's always somebody else coming in and producing. There's just a football factory over there. They produce players like it's machines on the conveyor belt. But this is a linebacker who is really athletic. He played all over the field. When he was in high school, he played quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, multiple spots on the defensive side of the ball. He was a 26th ranked athlete coming out of that 2020 recruiting cycle. The dude is phenomenal, great speed. He has potential to become one of the best linebackers in this conference and not only one of the best linebackers in this conference but when you look at him this is definitely a prototypical nfl linebacker especially if he has a little bit of coverage ability i think he can end up being a potential first round second round pick when he ends up declaring for the draft in the next couple of years for mississippi state wide receiver Jaden wally comes in on this list. He is a junior. He had a phenomenal true freshman campaign in 2020. He was part of the SEC's all-freshman team. He broke all kinds of freshman records for Mississippi State. Um... Four 100-yard receiving games, the first freshman with back-to-back 100-yard receiving games. In 2021, last year, he had 55 receptions for 628 receiving yards and six touchdowns. With Makai Polk leaving for the NFL, Wally should definitely become the team's number one and be Will Rogers' go-to wide receiver. And I think he can end up being a top three wideout in this conference. I'm really excited about him good hands i think he does possess pretty good ability after the catch i'm excited for what he can do this year and then mike leach's air raid offense his numbers are definitely going to be inflated so he's definitely going to end up being one of the top producers in the country just because of the volume that he probably will receive in the passing game this year and will rogers is kind of underrated i might have to make a separate video on will rogers because i don't think too many people understand how good will rogers is for Texas a and defensive lineman Shamar Turner, man. This dude is the definition of a freak. I was talking about dudes. This is a dude. He's 6'4", 285 pounds. He had a phenomenal spring He can move, man. He can move. We were raving about Jordan Davis and how impressive his 40 time was, despite the fact that he's 340 pounds running what he ran. But if Samara Turner was to run a 40 right now, it definitely would turn a lot of heads because this dude can really move for his size. And on top of that, he has crazy twitch and he can play Inside, outside, you can move him all over the defensive line. He has all kinds of potential to be a dominant pass rusher. Not only that, but he's also already a really good run stopper. And expect him to be in the conversation at the end of the season for one of the best defensive linemen in college football with his ability to take over games. And on top of that, Texas a already has a stout defensive line full of more highly talented players coming out of high school and whatnot. But Shamar Turner, I think he's probably going to be the best of the bunch. I'm expecting him to have a breakout year. He could have eight to nine sacks. And on top of that, probably have a lot of havoc plays when he's getting a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage and just disrupting game plans. It's going to be really hard to run on this Texas A&M front this season. And I think that Shamar Turner is going to be the anchor of that defensive line. His freshman year, he was part of the coaches' freshman all-SEC team. He had 14 tackles, one-and-a-half sacks with him getting increased playing time with the departure of DeMarvin Lill, who's now on the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to end up coming into that role replacing him and the dude is going to be lights out this year i'm glad i'm glad i'm not playing running back in the sec because if i saw Shamar turner i might think a little bit twice about trying to run run by him because that dude is a freak athlete man for auburn we have oregon transfer cornerback dj james Last year for the Ducks, he had his best season of his collegiate career, 46 tackles, 4 pass deflections, 2 interceptions. He should be a great replacement for cornerback Roger McCrary, who just got drafted not too long ago in this past year's NFL draft. Look at DJ James. I think that he's going to be a big part of that Auburn secondary this year, a secondary that many people have a little bit of questions about when it comes to talent and whatnot. But I think DJ James is going to be a good anchor in that secondary. I think he should end up becoming one of the best cornerbacks in this conference this year. And with him playing on the West Coast, he didn't really get too much attention nationally. But I think that this is probably one of the more underrated transfers from the transfer portal over the course of this offseason. So, keep an eye out for him. And the last player that we have for LSU is cornerback Makai Garner. He is a transfer from Louisiana Lafayette. He was a two year starter for the Raging Cajuns. He was one of the better cornerbacks in the G5 last year. He's 6'2, 215 pounds. So, he has phenomenal size for a corner. Third team All Sun Belt in 2021. Last year, he recorded 31 tackles, a forced fumble, and eight pass deflections. And this is an LSU secondary that I think is pretty good. They got a pretty good amount of transfers from the transfer portal. I expect Makai Gardner to end up becoming one of the best cornerbacks in this conference and potentially one of the better cornerbacks in all of college football because the dude has really good size. He has really good technique as well. And he's just somebody who has gotten better every single year during his time under Billy Napier when he was a head coach for the Raging Cajuns before he left for Florida. So expect him to take a major step this year in his development and end up being one of the best corners in college football, potentially. So this is it for my breakout players for every SEC team. Only did one. For Alabama, probably could have named about three or four, but could only stick with one. So you guys let me know some players that you think will break out. Also... Let me know some other conferences that you guys would like me to do if you guys enjoyed this. And I appreciate you guys for listening in on this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that the JT Sports Podcast is available on all podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast.